right, well, let's go. Welcome everybody in the room, everybody at the 15 Ports Live locations. We've got a special treat and special guest for tonight that should Jesus tarry, and in a couple hundred years, they're gonna write the history of Jesus doesn't come back. At some point in time, they're gonna write the history books of the church in North America. And inside of it, I am confident they're gonna include something about passion and passion conferences and the impact and the ripple and the effect that that ministry has had. My life personally was impacted. I remember sitting as a college student and hearing somebody get up on a stage and passionately believe in my generation. And that ripple effect impacted me, still impacts me today. And the number of friends and ministry that I have that share that same story is astounding. What does it have to do with tonight? Well, tonight we're continuing this series and Louis Giglio is here to teach as we continue this series. And if you don't, for whatever reason, know Louis, you are about to be blessed. He's one of the most incredible teachers of God's word alive right now. We are so privileged to have him here. So will you give a huge welcome and hand together for Louis Giglio? Yeah. Thank you. Easy. Well, thanks, David, and uh, thanks for having me at the porch. My first time ever at the porch. Where have I been? I mean, what in the world have I been doing? And so grateful to be here. Uh, so much respect for this house, uh, for the Shanes who paved the way here, uh, JP, other people who have plowed this ground, David uh, doing such an amazing job steering. The whole team here is incredible. So thanks for having me uh, tonight. Uh, this is a big deal for us because we're offering a sacrifice of praise tonight because uh, we're in the World Series right now, uh, um, like, like right now. So um, oh, don't, don't start that Astros stuff because we're about to get in the spirit and stay in the spirit. And I don't want anything to disrupt the spirit. Uh, my wife's from Houston. Uh, I've lived in Houston on and off. Lived in Texas for a long time. Uh, been, you know, I was at the ballpark at Arlington and then the stadium before that. No one even remembers that. It was like a minor league baseball stadium where the Rangers played. Anybody remember? Yeah. A few people here? So I was at those games. I went to grad school in Fort Worth, have a lot of history. But I'm a Braves fan through and through, born in Atlanta, Georgia. Go Braves. Let's go Braves. That's it. Up two zips. So he's going to keep me posted through the talk. The little hand signals down here. Let me know if I need to preach harder or pray harder. I'm so happy to be here in this series. You have no idea. Uh, as I'm stepping into the series you're doing right now, we're all freaking out, but we don't need to be. I am the perfect person for this series. You're like, oh, that's a big boast. No, I'm going to tell you a story later that if you don't know my story, you're going to be amazed that I'm here tonight because it is a miracle that I am in this place. I have been so far down in a hole of depression and darkness in my life that I never thought I would so much as go to a restaurant again, much less be mostly in my right mind, depending on who you ask, and filled with the Spirit, the light of Jesus in my eyes, doing the very thing God's called me to do, and, and standing in the grace of God. If you told me that 12 years ago, I, I would have just said, thank you. Um, 
I'm sure you believe that, and somewhere deep down, I probably believe that, but I could imagine me walking on water or riding a bicycle to Mars more than I could have imagined me being in this place right now. So when I'm coming into this series tonight, I take mental health seriously. I know personally that depression is real. Anxiety is a thing. Fear has got a grip in some way on all of our lives tonight. But what I, I want to say on, on top of that is having, and I'll come back and explain a little bit more about that pit later in the message, but what I want to say is I can say, I think, even though some people hit back, even when I try to say this, that anxiety is real and depression is real, fear is real, panic is real, but they are not bigger than Jesus. Jesus is greater than all of them. And so they're not going to get the throne tonight. So this isn't going to be psychobabble. It's not going to be Louis's opinion. It's not going to be us all having a latte and comforting each other and just accepting the fact that anxiety is a part of all of our lives. So let's just learn how to deal with it. I was in a situation about seven years ago going through a hard time in leading. And leading's hard, by the way. Just heads up. If you're leading something, you already know that. But leading is hard. And Shelly and I had just come through a very challenging season. Some things had been said, some things had been done, some friendships had been strained, and we were sort of surviving through several months of this deal. And I was on the way home from work one day, David, and my phone rang, and it was a friend, and they were calling me with a, you're not going to believe this call that we all want to get when things have gone sideways. Do you know what the, you're not going to believe this call is? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? No? It's the call that goes like this. Is everybody okay, by the way? That depression turn might have slowed everybody down. We're going to come back up here any minute now. You're looking at me like, I don't know, really? Seriously? That happened to you? Yes, it did. Um, but so the, the call was you're not going to believe what I just heard. And here we are several months down the road and something happened that vindicated my cause. Do you know that, that call now? If you just ride it out sometimes, you know, a little light will shine and then you'll go, see there? And I was so happy. I know you're like, what? you're a mess, man. You were in this hole and now you, you want vindication? Yes, I'm just letting you know about my humanity tonight, okay? I was so excited that when I got home, I texted a friend of mine who'd walked shoulder to shoulder through this whole storm with me. And I texted him the I want to commiserate text. It goes like this. You are not going to believe what I just heard. So-and-so just called me and told me that X, Y, Z just happened. I knew it was going to happen. I knew if we waited long enough, we would see the true motive, blah, 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 blah. It was a lengthy text. And in my demographic, my age bracket, I'm talking about a 30-minute piece of work this text was. And I'm standing in my driveway and I hit send. And it's the kind of text where you don't send the text and then go on about whatever else you were doing. You just stare at the phone until you get a text back. And I'm, I'm waiting, 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 waiting. And I want a text back that is, you know, it's proportional to the text I sent. And all of a sudden my phone buzzes and I look down and there's a little blurb on my phone. Like, and I'm like, this is the kind of text that the next text says, hey, I'm sorry, I hit send too soon. Here's the rest of the text. So I didn't even look at the little blurb. I'm just waiting for the rest of the text. Nothing. 
nothing. Minute goes by, five minutes go by. I'm like, this is it. I'm, I might as well now look at the little blurb. And I did. And when I looked down, there were nine words on my phone. And the nine words from a friend of mine that I was looking for commiseration and a little celebration of the moment, the vindication moment, the nine words on my phone said, don't give the enemy a seat at your table. And those words, they literally stopped me in my tracks. I was frozen at the top of my driveway, staring at my phone and realizing what in the world am I doing? For the last five months, six months of my life, I have been in this place of of consternation and frustration and control and laying awake at night, having all these conversations, managing all the outcomes of everything, making sure everything worked out so that people knew what my motives were and, and where I was in the equation. And the whole time I realized I have been having a conversation with a killer the whole time. The one that Jesus said, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, I have been letting him sit at my table and I've been dialoguing with him and letting him influence my thinking and my feelings about the whole situation. And right then and there, I said, I am taking my table back, meaning I'm taking my thought life back on this matter. I am not going to let the enemy just pull up a chair to the table that my shepherd has prepared before me in the presence of my enemies. I have let Satan just slide in the side door and all of a sudden, I'm not only listening to him, I'm talking back to him and now I'm repeating what he's telling me to other people. You're like, what do you mean? How, how would that look? It would look something like this. Uh, Psalm 23. Do you know the Psalm 23? Everybody's heard of it, right? Yes? Maybe the most famous passage of scripture uh, to people in the church and outside the church. If you start, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. People know, okay, I heard that. It was in a movie. I saw it. There was a funeral scene and someone read that psalm or there was a wedding and someone said that phrase. But this is one of the most gritty, powerful promises that God is making to you right now in your life and in this series. And if you're struggling with anxiety, with depression, with panic, with fear, with worry, if you are feeling isolated and you feel like you're down in some dark hole and you're not really sure if you're going to be able to function normally again, Psalm 23 is God's promise to you tonight. This is not your grandmother's psalm. I, I know maybe when we go back to this place in our mind, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. I mean, it, it, yes, it feels like cross-stitch on the dining room wall at your grandmother's house or a bookmark maybe with a little shepherd's crook on it that somebody gave you when you were a kid, but it isn't that. This is street cred. This is legit. This is God Almighty saying to you, if you let me, I will lead you. You don't have to let me, but if you let me, I'll lead you. You can lead yourself, but if you let me, I'll lead you. You can let somebody else lead you or let the culture lead you or let the loudest voice on your social media lead you or you can let the news lead you or whatever's happening around you lead you or you can lead yourself, but if you'll let me lead you, I'll lead you. Starting right now. And here are the results. Um, I, I will make you lie down in green pasture um, because honestly, this sounds terrible, but we're not smart enough to lie down in green pasture on our own. So he's gonna cause us to find green pasture and he's gonna slow us down 
and he's going to make us lie down. He says, not only that, I'm going to lead you beside still water, and I want to restore your soul. I'll guide you, who doesn't want guidance, in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, verily, King James, even if I walk, or even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will, here comes our word for tonight, fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love, that's who's got my back. That's who's over my shoulder. They will follow me all the days of my life. And at the end of this journey, I'm gonna dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus is offering you tonight to lead you like that. And if you'll say yes to him, things will begin to change. And I believe the fear factor will begin to lower in your life. Fear doesn't go away when we self-manage Internally, fear begins to drift out of our lives when we come to a revelation of who it is who is with us in the valley of the shadow of death. So we don't need so much more like working on the inside as we do an awareness of the God who is with us as we're walking through this life. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, is everybody okay so far? Are we still doing good in the game? Everything's good? All right, you're not giving me any signals, nothing. I keep looking over there and you're not giving me anything. Um, when I was a kid, we lived in an apartment complex that had a swimming pool in the middle of it. And on a Saturday, uh, we'd be at the pool in the summertime and my dad was a big golfer. So he would uh, come in from golf around two o'clock every Saturday afternoon and he would drift up to the pool because we'd be up there, my sister and I and all the friends in our neighborhood. And when I was little, like this big, I, I could not wait for my dad to get home from golf because when he came to the pool, everything changed. And, and moms in the world and future moms in the world, you're amazing, you're Superman, Superwoman, you do it all. But I mean, when dad shows up, it's like, oh my gosh, dad's here. Dad, watch me, dad, watch me. I wanna do my jump, I wanna do my whatever. And my dad started us out when we were little and he put us on the edge of the pool. Did anybody's dad ever do this? And he would say, okay, I want you to jump to me, right? And, and when you were really little, the jump meant dad just grabbed you and kind of pulled you in and that was it. Then he set you back and, you know, pulled you in and set you back. But eventually he wanted you to take a jump. And you're, you're tiny, so this looks like the Pacific Ocean, but you eventually decide whether or not you can trust your dad or not. And I know some of you may, may not have been able to trust your dad or didn't have a dad, but I knew I could trust my dad. And I mean, I had an uncle uh, that you couldn't trust. And so he was the one that said jump. And then he was like, yeah. And then you're underwater. And then he grabs you at the last second. Hope you didn't have that guy. But um, <laughs> my dad, I knew I could trust him. So I would just finally give it a little, you know, here I go. And boom, he had me. And as time went on, things progressed, I would like take a few steps back and like go airborne, like real airborne, and he would grab me. And then eventually I didn't need dad because I just back up as far as you could to the fence and run and go airborne on my own. But when I started, I knew if I went airborne, I knew two things about my dad. I knew his heart was good 
and I knew his arms were strong. And I knew that if I left the side of the pool, those two things were gonna be the most important factors in the next few seconds. My dad's heart is good. And my dad's arms are strong. Little scrawny kid like me, he just got you. Right back on the top. And knowing that his heart was good and his arms were strong allowed me to take a step over the fear that I naturally felt. So tonight we're not trying to say you shouldn't be afraid of things. <laughs> no, things, things are scary. What we're saying tonight is, do you realize that your heavenly father's heart is good and that his arms are strong? See, because what I think the enemy's doing as he's sliding in the back door or the side door and getting up to our table where we're, we're in a lot of our, our lives, anxiety is just like, it's like my little brother, my sister, my mom, my stepdad, and anxiety. We just give anxiety a seat at the table. It's like, that's just the way it is. That's the way it's gonna be. And you just deal with it. You medicate, you meditate, you struggle, you do whatever you gotta do. And I'm here to say that I do believe anxiety is real. And I still struggle with anxiety because the hole I went down in, you don't come out of that without some major scars on your life. And there are seasons where my anxiety is still a factor in my story, but it, it's more like it's in Plano than it's suffocating me. And I know it's in Plano, and it's gonna be here in 45 minutes, and I got 45 minutes to get my eyes back on a father whose heart is good and whose arms are strong. So I don't know what it is I'm afraid of right now, and it might be legitimate to have a fear of it, but my father's heart is good and his arms are strong. And I think what's happened is the enemy has come in the side door and it's reduced our view of God. And I, I'm 100% on board with where we are tonight, but I think we may have become the generation that has sung the song more than we actually believed the song. Because we just sang about a big, holy, awesome God. A God that should put us on our knees. A God who is on a throne unrivaled. You think he's concerned about anything today? You think he cares about the political climate in America? I mean, he cares about it, but do you think it's bothering him at all? Do you think any global calamity has caused him to lose sleep? Do you think he has any rivals, any enemies, any, any problems, any shortage? He is sitting on a throne high and exalted and the train of his robe fills the temple and the walls and the doorposts shake when the angels say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And if you just were transported into that moment, you wouldn't do your best worship move. You would go, oh, whoa. And you wouldn't want to move. You wouldn't want to look around. You would be like, oh, I had no clue. I had no idea. I knew you were great, but I kind of thought you were just a little higher than me and a little greater than me and a little stronger than me. I had no idea that you were mind-blowingly awesome, that thunder and lightning emanate from your throne and that beings forever have served the sole purpose of crying out your otherness. Set apart, 
set apart, set apart is the Lord God Almighty. The way Isaiah said it, bringing it back down into our world in Isaiah 41, this is God speaking now through the prophet. And he says in verse 10, so do not, here's our word, fear, for I am with you. Don't you love that? And again, I'm not saying that if you're struggling that you, you shouldn't reach out for help, you should. I'm not saying that if you're in a dark place that you shouldn't seek help, please do. But God, when he comes into the story, primarily he doesn't say, um, I realize that things are, are difficult and I don't want you to fear. And here are the 19 principles about how you don't fear. He said, don't fear, I am here. In other words, your awareness of me and your concept of me and your understanding of me, that's what puts fear to flight. And when we learn the fear of God, we don't fear hardly anything else. When we step into a relationship with God that we are so stunned by him, you say, well, that sounds like a, a scary thing to, be, to, to have fear of God. Listen, if we, we were in the presence of God, we, we wouldn't realize what it means to know the fear of the Lord. If we were like Isaiah who had that vision that I just described, we would understand in one second what on Netflix doesn't fly in the throne room of God. We would understand in a nanosecond what we have embraced in culture and sort of onboarded as, you know, it's just part of living in a broken world. No, not in the throne room of God. Some of the language we use, not in the throne room of God. Some of the things we laugh at, not in the throne room of God. Some of the things we tolerate and accept, not in the throne room of God. There is a fear of God that changes and transforms everything about us. And the more we fear God, the less we fear everything else. And so this is the way he's speaking to us. He says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Not just the God, I'm your God. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to strengthen you, and I'm going to help you, and I'm going to uphold you with my righteous right hand. In other words, my heart is good and my arms are strong. And I know what you're facing right now is incredibly uncertain. I know that you cannot control the outcomes and that's very frustrating to you. I know that it doesn't feel like you can control anything right now and that's ultimately I think the root of all of our fear is our inability to manage and control things. And he's saying, hey, don't worry about it. I am managing and I am controlling everything and my heart is good and my arms are strong and I got you. I've got you. So if you keep your eyes on me and not on whatever it is that the enemy's trying to make you afraid of, you are gonna have confidence and peace welling up inside your heart. Another way the psalmist said it, and I wanna just uh, let you see this passage because I love it so much, Psalm 34, because I, I just wanna make sure you see that I'm not just uh, telling you what I think. Um, this psalm's so great. Uh, let's just read a few verses together. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. And that's where I want us to end. And I don't know if we'll have time to get uh, the whole pit story in and end there. But the, the, the scripture says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. 
So ultimately, the dagger to fear is worship. The dagger to anxiety is worship. The dagger to depression is worship. And when you're depressed, you don't want to worship. And when you're anxious, you don't want to worship. And when you're afraid, you don't want to worship. But that's the beauty and the paradox of God is that when we get our eyes off of whatever's making us anxious and whatever we're afraid of and whatever is causing us to be depressed and put our eyes back up on God and choose to open our mouths and worship him, that is when the scripture says we start wearing the garment of praise and taking off the spirit of heaviness. And I'm telling you, worship is a weapon and it will take out the powers of the darkness. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. So glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. And this is the phrase that I really was sensing in my heart coming into tonight. Into tonight. He delivered me from all my fears. <laughs> Not some of them, not most of them, not one of them, not just the weakest one of them, but he delivered me from all my fears. How? Look at verse five. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. So taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. So tonight, God's calling you to himself. He's not really calling you away from what you're afraid of, he's calling you to himself. He's not really wanting to even negotiate around the situation that you can't control right now that's making you anxious, he just wants to call you up and to himself. And he wants to renew in you a confidence in him. And he wants you to begin to speak that confidence into the circumstance and the situation that you're afraid of. I know for me, and every story is different, there's no one size fits all answer to any of the things that we're talking about in this series, by the way. This is everybody's situation is slightly different and the way God wants to touch and heal and restore and deliver you is probably slightly different than the person next to you. So it's not a, hey, here's the formula and do this and say this and this is how you get free from anxiety and free from depression and free from fear. But I know for me, now I don't know how I got in that hole. I just woke up in the middle of the night one night and thought I was dying. And um, the next night it was worse and eventually my wife drove me to the hospital at two in the morning and I was 50 years old at the time, and I, I tell you how to get around the line at an emergency room, is walk in and walk up to the desk and tell the person, uh, I'm 50 and I can't feel my face, and my legs are uh, pulsating, and, and they've been doing that for a few hours now, and I can't get them to stop, and uh, my arm is numb. Come right this way. <laughs> and that night started a, a series that I just can't get into, but it, it was just, craziness. I thought I was losing my mind. I mean, legitimately, I'm not using that as like hyperbole. I thought I was going crazy. 
And for several months, I was in and out of all these different doctor's offices and having all these pseudo symptoms and literally thinking things were happening to my body because my brain was in some kind of revolt against me. And I didn't get, go out of the house. I didn't go to meetings at church. I didn't walk into cul-de-sac with my wife. I mean, I was just in a, in a ball in the corner for months. And I'd been to every kind of doctor and had all kind of people pray for me and prayed for myself. But just every single night, it was the same thing. I'd go to sleep finally. I could manage the days okay, but the nights were a train wreck. And two o'clock would come. And I mean, I would be awake. I mean, on, on the nose, like here, uh, it's two o'clock. And I'm staring at the ceiling, feeling like something is suffocating me. And after a week or two, it was just weird. And then after a month or two, it was devastating. And about four or five months in, it became completely debilitating. And when two o'clock came on this night, I'll never forget it. I just, I felt so frail and so weak and so helpless. Shelly's asleep in the bed next to me and I just raised my hands up to God and I said, God, I cannot do this one more night. And I wasn't contemplating an ultimate decision that night. I just was at, I was at the end. When people say you're at your wits end, that's where I was. There was, I could not see one more hour or one more day or one more morning or certainly not another night of this business. And then out of my spirit, came a verse of scripture. See, that's why it's so important to put the word in your heart because in the right moment, the Holy Spirit will bring that word out of your heart. And we'd been in a season in my family years before where our whole family had gone through a valley of the shadow of death. And for months, we'd gone through a a really crazy season. and, And at night, this passage from Job was sort of my light to, to help me keep moving. And there's a little verse in Job that says, the Lord who gives songs in the night. And so I knew that verse somewhere was way down in there. But this night as I lifted up my hands on what was kind of for me my last night, that verse just, the Holy Spirit just brought it up out of my heart. And all of a sudden I realized God, you give songs in the night and I've never been in a darker night right now. And and I don't know why I'm saying this and I don't feel like it and it doesn't make any sense. But if you'll give me a song, I'll sing it to you right now. And a spontaneous song dropped into my heart, just like that. I mean, I I couldn't put a sentence together but all of a sudden, a little song dropped into my heart. You were, you were like, well, you know, you were a part of Passion back then. You could have picked How Great Is Our God, or you could have picked a big Matt Redman song, or, you know, there were a lot of songs to choose from. I know, but I wasn't thinking clearly. And this little song dropped into my heart, this little set of phrases. And I sang them. It was not a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, 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 bridge, chorus. <laughs> it was just a, four lines. And I, I'm not kidding you, I bet I said or sang those four lines until sunup. You're like, I know where this is going. And you woke up and you were healed. And you got up and got dressed and went to work and y'all had a praise party at the office that day. Nope. Thought I was going crazy the next day. Went to bed. But when two o'clock came and it did come the next night, I was already prepared. I had four lines. And I sang them into that cloud. 
the second night, and the third night, and the fourth night, and the fifth night, it was cloud song. Here comes the cloud. I have a song. Here comes the cloud. And I would just say to God, God, you didn't heal me yesterday. You didn't heal me the day before. You didn't heal me today. I don't know if you're going to heal me tomorrow. But I do know this. You are a healer. And so I just say to myself again, be still my soul. There's a healer. His love is deeper than the sea. His mercy is unending. His arms are refuge for the weak. That was my song. And then it turned into two o'clock song. (laughs) Song cloud. And then it was just song, song, cloud, song, 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 cloud, song, cloud, song, 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 song. And I'm telling you, that act of worship pierced the darkness and led me into the light. You're like, that is so too simple. I know, it's simple like put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. How complicated is that? Not at all. But it's you deciding by the power of God and through the grace of Jesus that anxiety, fear, depression, they are real. Can we just say that? They are real. And they can take you out. But they are not bigger than Jesus. And they don't hold a candle to the great I am who is sitting on the throne of thrones. And I'm telling you, I don't know what your experience has been with your dad, but I'm telling you about this father. His heart is good and his arms are strong and you can trust him. On the basis of the cross of Jesus, you can trust him. On the basis of the cross of Christ, you can believe that he can take the worst and make something good. On the basis of the cross of Christ, you can believe that the worst day on earth can become, in some way in God's economy, the greatest day on earth. And based on the authority of the finished work of Jesus on the cross, you can believe, you can choose tonight to believe that whatever your past has been does not define what your future is going to be. And I know we've sung corporately here, but that's not the same as having a song of praise for you. Coming into the porch or coming to church on Sunday or putting your tunes on in your car, it's not the same as getting down on your knees in the dark place and say, God, I choose to praise you right here and right now. Anyone and everyone can praise God in the noonday sun. But when you worship God at the midnight hour, your worship is a wrecking ball to the power of hell. And the scripture says the power of life and death is in the tongue and the power of your life and your death is in the tongue. And we gotta stop listening to the enemy. We gotta say, I'm sorry, you're not welcome at my table anymore in Jesus' name. You apparently can prowl around, but you cannot sit down. 
This table is prepared by my shepherd for me. Yes, in the middle of the battle, but it is a table he has prepared for me. I'm sitting with the king. Thank you very much. I got my eyes locked on Jesus. Thank you very much. I'm getting my cues from the great I am. Thank you very much. So I'm not going to go to coffee with you and you say, how's it going? And I'm going, I don't know, man. I don't know. Because I'm at a table with a king, and one thing Jesus has never said in the history of history is, I don't know, man. (laughs) Words have never come out of his mouth. Do you think we're going to be able to fix this? I don't know, man. You think we can solve this? I don't know, man. You think we're going to be able to survive? I don't know, man. And I'll tell you something else he's never told me. Never, 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 never has Jesus said to me, you're not going to make it, Louis. So if we're at coffee and you say, how are you doing? And I say, I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Where did I get that? I got that from the enemy who's pulled up a chair at my table and told me one more time, you're not going to make it through this. And I not only listen to him, I am now repeating him. So I need a new story. You need a new story. Not some, again, some, you know, like feel good story. You just need truth. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear evil. Why? Because I'm strong and tough? No. Because I'm big and bold? No. Because I've got major courage? No. Because you are with me. And your rod and staff, that's what's bringing me comfort tonight. You realize Jesus isn't just meek and mild with a little shepherd's crook. Get the little sheep when they go off the path. He's got a rod in the other hand and he can take it and destroy a bear or a wolf or a lion or prey that comes out of the woods for your neck. And he says, oh no, no, not her. Nope. And that's who gives me comfort. Tonight's invitation isn't to get more courage so you can overcome your fear. It's to embrace more faith that the God who is with you and in you is greater than it all. He's greater than it all. He sure is. And someone here tonight, it's time for you to open your mouth. And what seems counterintuitive to every human thought, like all the things in the kingdom, And to sing a song of praise to a God who is great and awesome, no matter what circumstances around you, I'm going to put my eyes on you and I'm going to open my mouth to praise you. And the situation may or may not change today, but I'm going to change as soon as my mouth is filled with your praise and my eyes are locked on your face. It took a few months for me just to close the story. It did take a doctor and medication and a lot of prayer. And a few more months after that song in the night for me to feel like I'd come back into life again. It probably took a good year before I felt like I could sprint at full speed and do all the things I could do before without having to worry, is is anxiety coming and shut me down again today? 
So it's a process. It's no quick fixes, no easy prayers tonight. No, I'm going to raise my hand at the porch and, you know, eight years of depression are just going to evaporate. No, you're going to have to start a process. And I'm closing right now. You're going to have to start a process. But you can. God brought me here tonight so you could look with your own eyes at someone who's been down at the bottom but is standing right in front of you by the grace of God to tell you from the other side, you are not crazy. Oh, there may be some crazy in it, but you are not crazy. And you are going to make it. You are going to make it. The shepherd said he's going to lead you through. And you're going to make it. I'm inviting you to change your story right now. And let anxiety be in the mix for a minute, but get it off the throne. Let depression be in the story, but get it off the throne. And everything else is on the throne. You have alcoholism in your family. It's all your family talks about, right? The whole thing, the rehab, the other rehab, the thing, the deal, the deal, the deal, this happened, that happened, the other thing. And before we know it, we're just worshiping alcoholism. Our family's been down that road too. Your parents bailed out on you and all of a sudden, it's just everything that didn't go right and all the hurt and all the pain and all the loss and the frustration and the anger that built up and the bitterness and the resentment. And before you know it, your family breaking up is on the throne and that's what's getting worshiped. What do you mean that's what's getting worshiped? That's what I talk about all the time. I'm always talking about the breakup or, or the depression or about the loss or about what happened. And hey, all this stuff did happen, but at the end of the day, we gotta start worshiping God. He needs to be getting the conversation. He needs to be getting the oxygen in the room. He needs to be getting the attention. We're not denying stuff has gone down. We're just remembering that God is still lifted up. And you have the power tonight to change your story. You don't have to, and most people in your culture, your generation are not going to. They're gonna keep that story on them. They're gonna keep themselves right at the center of it, they're gonna find an individual narrative and they're gonna write out that story. And in the process of that, they're never gonna live in freedom, never gonna walk in the light, never gonna experience all of what God has for them. You can change your story. God, I pray tonight for revelation. I know that there are people struggling in this room. I can see it on their faces as I'm looking around the room. I can see the, the fight, people hanging on by their fingertips. I can see people, this young lady particularly, and I can just see on her face that she wants to believe what you're saying tonight, but she just can't. She feels like if she believes it again, it's gonna be another letdown. So to the degree that the enemy is lying and stealing and destroying, to the degree that he is not only at our table but eating our lunch, I speak the name 
that is above every name. I speak the name of Jesus of Nazareth, who is risen in power and glory, and who has broken every curse and every chain. I speak in the name of Jesus that these are your sons and daughters. They are born again, those in Christ, to new life and are now in a new family tree. They are not stuck with an earthly paradigm, but they are children of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Their 23 in me got reduced to three in me. It's God birthing sons and daughters to brand new life. I speak in Jesus' name, the distance that you span from heaven to earth to pursue, to redeem, to set free, to exchange, when you gave your life to declare our worth to God. And I pray that people will receive it. I pray, Lord, that you will jettison us from the victim mentality tonight and move us into the victor story because we are riding with you. And we do pray against depression. I pray against the spirit of suicide. I pray against the spirit of insignificance, irrelevance, the person who thinks that no one would even know if they left this planet. I pray against every lie that has come from the pit of hell. And I pray that we would happily surrender tonight and just say, God, I'm not in control of hardly anything, but I am in control of whether or not I'm going to believe that you are in control. So tonight I just affirm again that my God is in control. Your heart is good and your arms are strong for me. If that's landing in your heart tonight in a very personal way, in a powerful way, I just want to invite you just to stand into this moment. There's no magic in standing. We don't have anything for you to fill out. There's no, you know, there's nothing necessarily about that other than you just being defiant tonight and saying, I'm choosing right now to change the narrative of my story and to put my eyes on Jesus. We're all gonna sing to him. We're all gonna worship him together. But I wonder if there's anybody in the building that this has landed for you specifically into your story tonight. If you just stand right where you are, just for a moment, I'm gonna pray for you specifically. God, I thank you for every person that's standing before you tonight. Every valuable life, every precious soul, I thank you that you, you see them and you know them. You could call them by their first name, their middle name, their last name. You know their birth date, you know their death date, you know every single thing about their lives. And I thank you tonight that you have connected your truth to their lives in a very powerful and a very personal way. Lord, I'm just agreeing with you that if the sun sets you free, you're free. I'm agreeing with you that the enemy doesn't have all power and authority, you do. And I know that 
in most of these stories, people didn't get into the situation they're in in a, in a day or two, and they might not get out of it in a day or two, but I thank you that you're birthing hope and planting seeds, and I just wanna pray the Holy Spirit over the seeds of truth that you are putting in people's minds and hearts tonight. And we all in this house are leaning in in Jesus' name and praying for our brothers and sisters, thanking you that their story is gonna be a story that goes something like this. I was not crazy, as it turns out, and I made it by the grace of God. Not barely made it, but I made it. I am walking in power. I am moving in my gifts, and I'm watching God do the supernatural in my life. Lord, we thank you for that, and we give you thanks, and we give you praise for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody says, amen, amen. Amen. Let's worship him together. There's a verse in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, that says, you keep in perfect peace him whose mind is stayed on you. That verse has for so many years felt so impossible to me. You keep in perfect peace? The one whose mind is fixed on God. And I shared this a couple weeks ago. In this season of thinking and praying and studying on anxiety, it's like that began to click and it connects so much to what Louis just shared. It's like the more that I have my eyes fixed around the fact that my father, his heart is good and his hands and his arms are strong, that no matter what I walk through, he may not always heal it in the time frame, in the way that I want, but he is enough. And whatever you are walking through, he is enough. He wants to meet you where you are at and come alongside. And for you to know you have a father whose heart is good and whose hands are strong. And you're gonna leave this room and the world around you, like a kid at the pool is gonna say, you can't trust him. You shouldn't trust him. You shouldn't trust him in all these messages. God has invited you to remember as you walk through the valley of the shadow of fill in the blank, his heart is good. He is enough and you're gonna make it because his hands are strong. If you've never had a moment where you've trusted in Christ, and by that I mean you have accepted Jesus' death as payment on the cross for your sin, everything past, everything present, everything you don't even know you're gonna do three months from now, paid for, all of it nailed to the cross. You're not a Christian. You've never taken the step to become a Christian, which is not something you do, it's something you receive by faith in Jesus. Tonight is your night, and we'd love to pray with you. If you're walking through a time where you're just in a hard season, and we can come along and we can pray with you. If there's any way that we can serve whatever you're going through, we'd love to do that, and we have an entire team that'll be down front. Maybe you're not in a place where you're ready to make that decision. You just have questions, and they're normal, understandable questions. When you study scripture, you're just like, I, it just doesn't all click. And we create an environment every month called Great Questions, where you can go right down this hall, right over here, and there's a room of our friends that is designed for you to ask questions on your journey, wherever you are in the faith. Finally, we do something called First Step, where if you don't have a church home, welcome home. And we 
we want to help you take the first step of making a place that feels so big feel a lot smaller so you can take your first step into getting connected here right outside of these doors up in the loft outside of here if you have a church home we're not here to steal christians we want you to go deeper in wherever god has you and be his people there finally i've got two requests one is as i mentioned earlier there is a conference called passion conference if you haven't heard of it and you've been under a rock you need to go to passion2022.com and find out it's an amazing gathering of 60,000 college students and young adults that will be gathering in January of this year that's too small for me to read January 2nd and 3rd oh it's a lot bigger up there January 2nd and 3rd and I'm telling you this is my request if you are in college, you need to go to that conference. There's a porch discount code where tonight you get a steep discount for 109 bucks, which is them losing money on you that they are basically giving for you to be because they believe in this generation. If you are not in college and maybe you're like, man, I'm 28, I'm, I'm, I don't even know, you know where I fit in in all of this. When, welcome here, you fit in here. But you know some college students and I'm asking you to do something very specifically. I want you, if you know someone that needs to be there, I want you to buy their ticket. And I want you to text them and say, hey bro, hey sis, I got plans for you. January 2nd, 3rd, you're gonna be in Atlanta. Louis came made a trip out here, and I want you to go make a trip and go see him. And you won't be at all regretting that you did. And so if you're in college, 18 to 24, you should be there. And you'll be glad you did. And if you're not in that age frame, I want you to prayerfully consider sending it because it just may change someone's life. I've heard it over and over and over. So use the promo code PORTS tonight, finally. Everything that I said about history books and that with Louie and his team is not an overstatement. And so I want you guys to help me thank, not just for him traveling and being away from family tonight, but the investment he has made on so many generations or on multiple gener of this generation. And thank him also for being here tonight. So we thank Lou and his team one more time.